Hey guys, welcome to Swerve Church once again. Hope everybody's having a great time so far, so far worshiping with us. It's a special Sunday because it's Communion Sunday. We're wrapping up this series and we'll be uh, having communion together, partaking in the Lord's Supper at the end of this service. So definitely you have that to look forward to. I'm also excited. It's the end of a series and it has been quite a challenging series. By the way, I mentioned this previously, but if you want to catch up any of the older messages, you can actually go to the Swerve Church uh, podcast. And so go to your favorite podcasting app and you can catch all the previous sermons there. You can listen to it, you know, on your drive or while you're working out or whatever. You can download the podcast and listen to it and you can catch any of the past weeks. Well, we're, we're finishing up this series, and basically what we've been doing is looking at the Pledge of Allegiance as a jumping off point. But before we go any further, what I would love to do is if you could take out your notes and follow along, we have a couple of verses that we're going to be reading today, and it's found in John chapter 1. You have these verses there in your notes, feel free to follow along. Those notes are there for you guys to keep, as we say every week. You can go ahead, underline, and, and jot notes on the margins there, as just for you. And so we're going to be reading a, primarily from John chapter 1, verses 1 to 5 and verse 14. Okay, so you guys can follow along there in your notes. Here's what it says. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made, and without Him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And verse 14 says this, The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. And that's what we're going to be primarily focusing on, that last, those last couple of words that Jesus came full of grace and truth. And so we've been looking at the Pledge of Allegiance, as I began to say, as the jumping off point for our conversation. And you guys know the Pledge of Allegiance, we've been reciting it these past four weeks. And, and, and we've been using that as kind of a jumping off point, especially with the political climate and the way that it's been with the, with the whole election and everything. We've been just using that as the jumping off point for our conversation here. And I hope and pray that you guys have found it, you know, challenging and encouraging, you know, especially during these times that, that we're living in, especially the, the, these times that we find ourselves in. And let me just tell you guys, it's been difficult for me to prepare. It's been challenging. It's been convicting as well. I pray you find it as well. I also hope you guys had a great Thanksgiving. I see that some of you guys had to be rolled into the church today, and uh, we loosened the hinges off the door so that you would fit a little bit better. I saw the pictures you guys posted up on Facebook and everything, and it's great that we can spend you know, Thanksgiving with family and friends. Isn't that great? I actually had a friend. I actually had a friend that lost his dad recently. So can, you guys can imagine losing a loved one is tough, but especially during the holidays, it's difficult. So we invited him to come you know, with the family that we, we were having 
uh, Thanksgiving dinner with. And isn't that a great opportunity to, to get together with people and friends and family members? And we were able to invite them. And I'm sure, you know, you guys had a great time. And I'm so thankful, you know, for Thanksgiving and, and to spend time with family and friends and, and stuff. Well, we're finishing up this, this series, as I mentioned. And the topic is liberty and justice or grace and truth. We're going to be talking about those two words. Now, before we dive in, I need to tell you something that I'm pretty sure all everybody here knows this. And, and this has been a fact, you know, for years in our country, for years in our country, for many, for many, many years, you know, many people embraced Jesus. You know, this, this country was very, it was very much founded upon Christian roots. And, and, and a lot of people embrace the message of Jesus. You know, going to church, gathering with God's people, that was a regular thing. That was something that everybody did. It was tradition. And everybody went and did that. But do you guys know that this is no longer true? We're no longer living in those times. We're no, long, no longer living in those days. In fact, according to some Barna research, I want to show you guys this. 48% of Americans consider themselves post-Christian. In fact, look at this graph here. As you guys know, this is the most post-Christian cities in America. I want you guys to notice, number one, I know it's kind of small there, but number one is our state's capital, Albany. Isn't that amazing? You know, the, this, this state where we live in, where we find ourselves in, Albany comes in number one post-Christian. And, of course, guess what? New York City is not too far away, rounding off top ten. We come in number nine post-Christian here, right here in New York City. We're number nine on the list. And 48% of Americans consider themselves post-Christian. Basically what post-Christian is, guys, it's, it's a person that knows about Jesus, knows about church, knows the traditions, but they openly reject Jesus. It's not the same as non-Christian. Okay, this is, this is different. Post-Christian means they openly reject Jesus. They know who He is. This is not an unreached people group that never heard the gospel, never heard of Jesus, doesn't know what the inside of a church looks like. These are people that openly reject Jesus. And according to Barna Research, 48% of Americans identify as post-Christians. So what this means is that faith in Christ is being moved from the center, the way it once was in our country, it's being moved out to the fringes. It's being moved out to the edges. Christianity is becoming something that was more accepted, it was more widely accepted by people, by many, but now it's being considered a threat by many. The common thought now is, you know, Christians are so full of hate, right? They're so full of hatred, and they're so bigoted. This is the common belief of people that follow Christ and believe in Jesus Christ. But you know what? Wherever there is darkness, light shines all the brighter. And though the world gets darker, the light of Jesus shines even brighter through all of His followers. That's each and every single one of you. Those of you that made a decision to follow Jesus, that in the midst of this darkness... In the midst of the darkness that we live in, the light of Jesus shines even brighter. In fact, I wanted to show you guys something. I have a sparkler here. You guys know this. You probably see this around um, uh, 4th of July, right? You guys ever have one of these? What's interesting about this, you can cut the lights for me. What's interesting about this, when, when there's all this dark around us, I want you guys to notice what happens with this sparkler here when we light it up, if it lights up. Give it a second. Whoa. In the midst of darkness, the light of Jesus shines even brighter, much like the sparkler in the dark that we have here. And isn't it amazing? I love 
it seems like darkness runs away from light. Whenever light comes, you know, a lot like this sparkler. And guys, that's who we are to be. We are to be the light of this world. And there's, is there lots of darkness? Absolutely. There's lots of darkness all around us. But we are to shine the light of Jesus in the midst of darkness. It may be dark, but guess what? When you light this up, it puts on a show, doesn't it? When you light it up, it puts on a show. And even though there's, in light of the darkness that's around us, we're not going to run and hide. We're not going to run and hide from the darkness. Because Jesus doesn't tell us to hide from the world. He doesn't teach us to hide from the world or to hide from culture. He tells us to be light in darkness. He tells us to be the salt of the earth. He tells us you're a city on a hill. And he tells us to go into all the world and make disciples of all nations. Make disciples. We're not, we're not, to, we're not gonna run from culture as Christians, as followers of Jesus, we're gonna influence culture. God calls us to be light in the midst of darkness. So the question that we want to attempt to answer today is this, is how do we faithfully live for Jesus in a post-Christian culture? Because we're living in a post-Christian culture now, by and large, and especially, guys, in a city like New York City that is so secular, and then we're, we're, we're very much living in a post-Christian society. So how do we faithfully live for Jesus in this type of a culture? And here's the first fill in the blank. You have it there in your notes. Here's what we want to do. We should live with grace and truth. We should live with grace and truth. This is what it says in John chapter 1, uh, verse 14. We read, it, uh, we read it in the beginning. Let's read it again. Here's what it says. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. The Word being Jesus Christ. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father. And what did He come full of? Can you guys read it with me? He came full of what? Of grace and truth. That's, Jesus came full of grace and truth. And we should live our lives full of grace and truth. How do we faithfully live for Jesus in a post-Christian society, a post-Christian culture? We live with, with grace and truth. This is one of the biggest challenges for many followers of Jesus because, you know, many tend to lean to one side over the other. Isn't that right? You know, and it's, it's, a very, it's a big challenge for a lot of us. Some are all truth and no grace, and others are all grace and no truth, right? We, we, tend to, we tend to lean to one side or to another. Let me try to help explain to you what I mean by this. Truth would be something like this. You know, the Bible says it. I believe it. You're a sinner and you're going to hell. You know, it's all true. You're, you're going to burn in hell where there's a weeping and gnashing of teeth and the worm never dies. That's, that's where you're going. You know, and that's kind of the truth and getting hit over the head with truth. You know, have you, have you ever seen these guys in Times Square or throughout the city? They kind of, they hold up the signs. You know, it says, you know, turn and burn or, or repent or go to hell. And it's kind of these really harsh, you know, signs. And they're having these really harsh dialogues, really more like debates with people in the street. And they hold up these signs. That one there says, you know, you deserve hell. You know, and it's all truth, 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 truth. And that's, that's, that's everything that they, they hold up these large signs and, you know, they're making these bold statements. And, and these kind of people, what they are, is they're all truth and no grace. Now grace, on the other side of the coin, you know, all grace and no truth says, hey, I'm okay. You're okay. We're all okay. You know, God understands. It's okay. He understands. You make mistakes. It's okay. He's all love anyway. And, you know, do whatever you want. After all, you know, God just wants you happy. He wants you to live a happy and abundant life. 
you know, he wants you happy all the time. This is kind of a, a Care Bear, Teletubby, Barney type of Christianity. You know what I'm saying? You know, this, this is the type of Christianity. All, all grace and no truth. You know, truth and no grace and grace with no truth are equally dangerous. They're equally dangerous. So let's, let's talk a little bit about what happens when you live these out. What are the consequences of either of these being lived out? So if you're all truth and no grace, or if you're all grace and no truth, what are the consequences when you do that? So let's begin by talking about what happens when you, when you live with just truth and no faith. This is the next fill in the blank that you have there in your notes. It's truth without grace leads to rules and rebellion. Truth without grace leads to rules and rebellion. And listen, some of you know this because you were probably directly impacted by something like this. You know, perhaps you attended a church or you had a family member that was all truth and, and no grace. Right? Always hitting you over the head with the Bible, always telling you, you know, to repent or you're going to go to hell. It's just super, super truth, no grace. You know, I grew up in a church that definitely leaned more in this direction than not. And there's lots of churches like this all over, especially all over our community. You know, if you're a man, you, you couldn't grow a beard or a goatee, but for some reason you could have a mustache. I, didn't, I never understood that. You know, women couldn't wear makeup. They, they couldn't wear pants. They had to, they had to come to, to church in a skirt. They couldn't wear pants. You know, there was no dancing. So if you, you know, God forbid you went to a wedding where there was dancing, there was no dancing at all. There was no movies. You couldn't go to the movies because... That was the, the movies were the devil, right? The movies were the devil, and you couldn't go to the movies. And there were tons and tons and tons of rules. My godfather told me, um, he told me that back in his day, he couldn't even go to the park to play basketball. He would get into trouble for going to the park to play basketball. And some of you experienced this, you know, all rules, you know, all, you know, all truth, all rules. And the implication was, if you keep the rules, if you keep the rules, then you're good with God. Right? The implication was if you do X, Y, Z, then you're okay with God. But if you don't keep the rules, you're not good with God. Your relationship with God is, is it's, it's torn. And the word that we use to describe this is the word legalism. The word is legalism. And what happens with rules, rules automatically lead to rebellion, doesn't it? If you have kids or if you have nieces and nephews, you, you know this, right? What happens if you tell a kid, don't touch that? What happens? They, they want to touch that, right? They'll, they'll look you right in your eyeballs and they'll go and they'll touch that. Because rules lead to rebellion. There's something about our human nature that sees rules and wants to find a reason to break them. Ain't that right? And so with kids, we see that all the time. So that, that's, one, that's one side of the coin. Truth without grace leads to rules and rebellion. What about the other side of the coin? Well, this, this is what happens. Grace without truth leads to do whatever and believe whatever. Grace without truth leads to do whatever and believe whatever. Remember, we're talking about the two sides of the coin, right? We're talking about we want to be grace and truth. What happens when you're all truth and no grace or all grace and no truth? And grace without truth leads to do whatever and believe whatever. And the two words that we want to look at are these. It's license and relativism. Maybe you want to write them Write them down. They might give you some points on a Jeopardy game or something later on. Okay, the, the two words are license and relativism. Now, what is license? License is do whatever you want. God understands. You know, it's, it's your life anyway. No one has the right to tell you. How, how dare somebody tell you that you can't do that or you can't do this or the other. You know, you, you can do whatever you want. That's, that's license. 
you know, no, there's no, nobody can tell you not to live that way or not to do the other thing. You, you can do whatever you want. You're your own person. And my fear is that men, my fear for many is that they have these little pieces of Jesus. This is my fear. That people have this, these little pieces of Jesus. You know, it's that kind of that, you guys ever seen that movie with Will Ferrell? When he's praying, thank you, eight pounds, six ounce, baby Jesus. You guys remember from that, from that movie? He's like, this is the Jesus that I want to pray to. I don't want to pray to that Jesus on the cross. The death. No, no, no. I like, but I like the baby Jesus. So I'm going to pray to little eight pounds, six ounce, baby Jesus. And that's the, that's the Jesus that I'm going to choose. And this is my fear for many, that people want to pick and choose the little bits and pieces of Jesus that we like and that we're fine with. And, you know, and, and it's just enough of Jesus to make you feel good, but it's not enough of Jesus to have your lives transformed and being conformed to the image of Christ. Or to live a life of constant repentance, or to live a life in a, with accountability with God's people. It's enough of Jesus is that coffee cup Christianity you know, for I know the plans I have for you, you know, plans to prosper you. Yeah, I love that verse. I want it on a, coffee cu- on a coffee cup. I want a bumper sticker. And I want to wear the shirt because that's the part of Jesus I like. But when Jesus calls me to, to live a holy life, when Jesus calls me to be separate from this world and not to partake in the things of this world, or, you know, those parts of Jesus, I, I just, you know, surrender my whole life to Him, carry, carry, pick up my cross and follow Him. You know, th- those parts of Jesus are just too demanding. L- let me just stay with my eight pounds, six ounce baby Jesus, because that's what I'm comfortable with. And that's my fear that so many, they want to pick and choose the pieces of Jesus that they want to apply what it is that they want. The second half of that is believe whatever, or the word is relativism. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> relativism is the idea that there's no single objective truth. Relativism is the idea that there is no single objective truth. And this is a popular belief in culture today, which is that there's no such thing as absolute truth. There's no such thing. Have you guys ever heard that argument before? There's no such thing as truth. It's all subjective. You know, by the, by the way, when somebody comes to you and says, hey, what you, you know, how, how can you tell me that there's, a, there's no such thing as absolute truth? Do you guys know how to refute that? If somebody comes to you and tells you there's no such thing as absolute truth, you, you tell them, is that absolutely true? And then you automatically contradict what they're saying. Because what they're stating is an absolute truth. To say that there is no absolute truth is an absolute truth. All right, so you refute their statement by saying, is that a true statement? <laughs> All right, and that's how you refute them. Okay, it's, it's common sense, guys, that you can't say that. Okay, but, you know, but, but that's, that's what you ask. The, the truth in, in a relativistic culture is, as long as it makes you happy, that's what really matters. As long as it makes you happy. You know, as long as you're sincere, then it doesn't matter what you believe. Believe in whatever you want to believe in. Believe in whatever God, whatever religion, as long as you're sincere. Or, as long as it doesn't hurt anyone, you know, then it doesn't really matter what you do. This is what truth in a relativistic culture looks like. Now, what's interesting, that if we go back to that verse that we read in John chapter 1, verse 14, look, look at what it says, grace is listed before truth. And I, I love the fact that the Bible lists it in that order. It listed in that order. We, we just finished talking about, you know, all truth and no grace, all grace and no truth. They're both wrong. But Jesus came full of grace and truth. And I love that the Bible leads off that statement saying that he was full of grace and then it says truth. So as a young church, 
in our neighborhood, in the community of Bushwick, here in Brooklyn, we, we want to be a community that leads with grace. We want to be a church that leads with grace. And here's two big ideas as, as we continue to flesh this out amongst our neighbors, as we continue to plant the church here in this community. Here's two big ideas that I want to roll out to you guys. And the first thing there, you have it in your notes. It's be a safe place for people to belong before they believe. We want to be a safe place for people to belong before they believe. Listen, people are going to come in with their questions and their doubts. They might not fully grasp or understand this whole Jesus thing and the Bible and the church thing. And they have their questions and they have their doubts. We need to be a place where it's okay for people to come in like that. That when they have their questions and they have their doubts, they can come in. And they can be a part of the family. They can be a part of the community here with their questions and their doubts. We want to be a safe place for those people. That they come in with their questions. They come with their doubts. They don't, they don't, they don't know it all. They don't, they don't have it all figured out. Can we be a place where these people can come in and then they have a place to belong before they believe? Here's the second big idea. As a church, you know, we want to be a safe place for people to belong before they behave. We want, we want to be a safe place for people to belong before they behave. And, uh, and, and uh, for some of us that may have the inner, the inner legalism within us, might not be comfortable with this statement here, but let me, allow me to elaborate. Here's what it is. People are going to come in, and they're, they're going to be living their lives. How, how's a sinner to behave? A sinner's going to behave like a sinner. And what we can't say is, hey, you got to get all cleaned up before you come here. All right, you hey, you gotta you know stop stop doing that, stop being over there, stop doing those things, stop watching that, you know, and then you can be a part of our club, right? We we can't have that attitude. Our message can't be change your behavior and then you can be one of us. You know, now you're in the club because you did that. Our message should be one of come follow Jesus. As we are following Jesus, come and follow Him. And He's the one that's going to lead you to an abundant life. Jesus is the one that's going to radically change and transform your life. He is the one that's going to lead you into salvation. It can't be change whatever you're doing and then come in and be a part of the cool kids. It has to be come and follow Jesus as we are following Jesus. Because He is the one, that He's the only one that can change and transform your life forever. And the post-Christian you know, generation is skeptical about truth. They're skeptical about it because they view those that claim it as arrogant and dangerous. They, they, those post-Christians. That, that's they, they, if you claim truth, man, you, you must be an arrogant person. You must, you're dangerous. i got to stay far away from you. But what they are looking for is not certainty. They're looking for, and this is something that if we're honest, we haven't been very good at. Is they're looking for honesty. They're looking for honesty. But as, as Christians, this is something that's been super difficult for us to grasp because we're not very good at being open and honest, if we're honest. <laughs> right? Many times, Christians are really good at wearing masks. You know, we're really good at, at putting on a show and, and pretending like everything's okay when, to cover up the difficulties we're going through, to cover up the hardships that we're facing, right? to, to cover up our doubts and our questions. We pretend like we have it all together. How's it going? Praise God, hallelujah, everything is good, amen. Right? And we're really good at putting on that performance. What we're not good at is being honest and being open. And we need to help people see that truth is not just rules and it's not just morals. Truth is a person. 
Truth is a person. Jesus said he was the way, the what? The truth and the life. Truth is not rules and is not morals. Truth is a person and his name is Jesus. And whoever the Son sets free is free indeed. Jesus came to give life and abundant life. And truth isn't just a what. Truth is a who. And that person is Jesus. Who is Jesus? According to John chapter 1, he's the word become flesh. He was full of both grace and truth. He confronted the hypocrisy of the Pharisees and the religious leaders. You know, this was true, the hard hand truth. But he comforted sinners. He touched lepers. This was when he led with grace. He would call the Pharisees and the religious leaders, you brood of vipers, basically calling them snakes. But, but then he would, he would meet with an immoral woman, you know, by a well. And he told her that he wanted to offer her living water, which she would never thirst from again. That was grace. And when they turned the house of God basically into like a mini mall, you know, Jesus went in there and started flipping over tables, right? That, that was leading with truth. He had this righteous anger. But he also went to the house of a tax collector. And he sat and had dinner with him. With this sinner, he, he has showed him the hand. He extended grace and forgiveness and he radically changed this tax collector's life. That's grace. Now there's this story that I love from the New Testament. It talks about this woman that, she, that says she was caught in the act of adultery, if you can believe it. They caught her in the act of adultery. I really don't know how they did this. This was, you know, before the internet or whatever. You know, it says that they were trying to, they were trying to catch Jesus and they catch this poor woman in the act of adultery. And it's perhaps one of the most amazing examples of the grace of Jesus extended to somebody. I want you guys to picture this. They drag this woman through the town, through the town streets. They drag her around town. They drop her at the feet of Jesus. At this point, she's more, more than likely, she's half nude or completely naked as they're dragging her around town and drop her at the feet of Jesus. And the religious leaders come around this, this, this naked woman caught in the act of adultery. They have stones in hand and they tell Jesus, the law of Moses commands us that this woman should be stoned because she was caught in the act of adultery. She should be killed for her sin. They bring her to Jesus and they ask him for his input. What should we do, Jesus? And this is all, you know, possibly to build an incriminating case against Jesus as a false teacher or as a false prophet. And they bring this woman naked before Jesus, caught in the act of adultery. And I can only imagine... Can you, guys, can you guys see this picture? This woman pouring tears from this woman's eyes, crying. I can just imagine the guilt and the shame that she's feeling. All the eyes that are on her, looking at her as she's there. And she, I just see this woman's face at, towards the ground, crying. You know, feeling the shame, feeling the embarrassment of being dragged around town naked. Not to, not to mention the fear and the torment of knowing that she's about to die and she's about to lose her life. Can you put yourself in the shoes of this, this woman caught in the act of adultery, dragged before the feet of Jesus? But in an amazing turn of events, Jesus addresses the crowd of religious, legalistic, unloving leaders. And he says, he who is without sin, cast the first stone. And one by one, nobody can refute the statement of Jesus. He answers their question with another question. And they begin to drop 
the stones. They turn around and they leave. They no longer have any reason to incriminate this woman because they realize that they are they are all have sin as well. But then the story doesn't finish there. He turns to this lady. If she had mascara, the mascara would be dripping all down her face. And, and he turns to her and, and he lovingly tells her, I want you to hear the loving words of Jesus. He tells her, where are your accusers? Where are those religious leaders? Where are those legalistic leaders that wanted to kill you? Where are they? And I can just imagine this lady barely, barely being able to see through her tears to realize that they were all gone. And then Jesus, the only person that could incriminate her, the only person that was perfect and without sin, tells her, go and sin no more. Go and sin no more. And he extends the hand of grace. You guys, you see, Jesus was a line crosser. He crossed lines. Whenever religion would draw a line, Jesus would cross it. He would cross over that line. because He would cross the line because people were on the other side of that line. And as a church, we don't want to draw lines to keep people out. We want to cross lines to bring people in. To bring people in so that they can experience Jesus. So they can find Jesus. So they can hear the good news, the gospel message of Jesus Christ. And guys, you've all experienced this grace because the greatest line that Jesus ever crossed was the one that separated us from God because of our sin. And the Bible teaches us that the wages of our sin was death. What we deserved for our sin was to die. But God in His infallible and infinite love for us sent Jesus to cross the line of sin to come and die in our place. And He bled and He was bruised and He hung on a cross, blood dripping down His face and He breathed His last breath. And in His death, he paid the price for our sin. He picked up our bill. It was fully paid in his death. But three days later, Jesus rises from the grave as, your, as Lord and Savior. And, and through his resurrection, he grants us life and forgiveness and reconciliation with God, our Father, so that, so that the sin not no longer separates us from God, but we can have our relationship restored with God because Jesus crossed the line. Because Jesus crossed the line. And the Bible says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. You will be saved. And if you haven't accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, then I want to invite you to the perfect opportunity to do so today. But if you are a follower of Jesus, if you're here today, if you're listening to this podcast later on, I want to challenge all of us to lead with grace. Because that's what Jesus did. Jesus led with grace. In a culture that is growing increasingly skeptical, in a culture that's growing increasingly dark. We need to be the light of Jesus. We need to, the, we need to let the light of Jesus shine all the more. Let the light of Jesus shine even brighter. And the way it's going to shine is through each and every single one of us. 
I challenge, my challenge for you today is that we would lead with grace. Would you guys join me in praying? God, we just thank you because it is because of your infinite love and mercy. It's because you sent Jesus to cross the line of sin to come and rescue us from our sin, God, that we can cry out to you freely and openly and thank you because of our salvation through Jesus. Not because of anything that we did, but because of everything that Jesus did. God, and we just thank you that because you showed us so much grace, God, we can now extend grace to those people that are far from you. God, those people far from God, those people that don't know you, we can now extend grace because we have been shown grace. We can extend grace. I pray, God, that you would help us to be a church in this community. Help us to be a family of believers, God, that not only thanks you for the sacrifice and accepts the gift of grace, but, Lord, that would extend grace to those that are far from you. Lord, that we would be a place for people to belong before they believe. God, that we would be a place for people to belong before they behave, God, and that we would lovingly show them the hope that we have and Jesus, and that we would show them the grace that we've been shown. We pray this in your precious Son's name. Amen.